Hey, welcome to the Power of Technology podcast by Dell Technologies. I'm Daniel Burton, Product Marketing Manager. And on today, I have my colleague, Nick Brackney. Hey, great to be here again. Awesome. Yeah, we love having you on the podcast as always. Uh, Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role at the company and what hot topic do you have for us today? Would love to, uh, let's just kick it off. Well, you know, at my time at the company, I've covered so many topics from uh, cloud to infrastructure, but the latest thing that's on my plate is generative AI. And, you know, I, I'm going to come out here with a kind of a crazy idea here that AI and generative AI is actually the great equalizer for the data center. Okay. We see Gen AI, hashtag Gen AI, all over Twitter, LinkedIn. It is a massive topic, but why is it so important in the context of the data center? Yeah, I think the, the big thing about it, and, and when you think about AI in general, um, th there's been a lot of value that over the years we've seen uh, in the data center with AI and with helping uh, streamline and simplify some tasks that are, that are out there. But, you know, when we're thinking about the data center now, um, especially mm -hmm. in this climate and, you know, business climate, uh, there's oftentimes a skills gap. There's oftentimes uh, too much work to do, too much work to go around. And unfortunately, uh, you know, it can be hard to find replacement workers or or new workers, um, you, know, you know, as you grow um, to take take on some of these tasks. And so I think that's really where we can see generative AI really come in and do some cool stuff. And so just a smattering of things that that you can do today um, that really can lower the bar of of, of uh, you know all of the the technology you're deploying is things like uh, you know natural language coding right, and being able to collect code snippets. And so a lot of times what happens for IT ops folks or DevOps folks is, you know, they've got a routine task, they'll do it a million times, and there's code available somewhere. It could be produced by someone like Dell, who, who is a, um, you know, a technology company, uh, you know, and it could be found on their site if you can, if you can find it. But, uh, you know, with generative AI, now it's so simple. I can just go and type in, you know, show me uh, a PowerShell uh, a script for deploying a PowerEdge server uh, using iDRAC uh, for Windows Server on it. And, and it'll, it'll spit out everything about how you could go and deploy a Windows Server on a PowerEdge server, uh, which is pretty crazy. And then you get into things like documentation. Uh, you, you could basically say, hey, uh, show me uh, what the documentation is on doing a clusterware update on VxRail. So think about this as really lowering the, the barrier of establishing new technology and who can actually interface with that technology. That That's one of the exciting areas that generative AI is going to bring. Yeah, that's fascinating. I personally haven't ever thought of it like that. In my mind, I'm like, oh, chat GPT. Oh, like, what can I do in my day-to-day -day online shopping? That's just my personal interest. But <laughs> like you said, like professional interests and, you know, the workforce growing and a lot of people retiring lately. I mean, it's just, it's key. It's and key. You raise a good point here about um, a generative AI and a public generative AI versus a private one, potentially, where you, you know, it's like so much of chat GPT is things like Shakespeare or, uh, you know, um, you know, who, who's the latest clothing designer or X, Y, and Z or, you know, sports stuff. And, and yes, they've done a great job of, of mining things like Stack Overflow or, you know, developer hubs where there's a lot of information uh, around coding. But, you know, not all of that's relevant. 
And so it's actually kind of interesting that you can do a much smaller LLM in the data center, actually, uh, that's more targeted towards what, what you're doing as well. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's just mind blowing the capabilities. And I think we're all in that same boat, just continuously being shocked by, you know, how fast these innovations are moving. Um, I'd love to uh, steer us towards some Gen AI cloud talk. So uh, years ago, Nick, organizations were moving to public cloud. How is AI changing this dynamic? Yeah, so this is a broader uh, topic than just generative AI, this part. But, um, you know, when you think about it, uh, and I've said this before with our modern data infrastructure stuff, where, um, you know, at the time, uh, if you wanted to deliver the resources in an agile way, uh, 10, 15 years ago, your only option was going to a public cloud, right? It was really very few organizations had been able to stand up their own private cloud and actually deliver the capabilities in a very timely manner to the businesses, which is why we saw so much, so many uh, shadow IT projects at first. Uh, you know, effectively, you had uh, the businesses leading the way, and IT was following in a lot of in a lot of places. And so, you know, what we're seeing right now is with AI and and with uh, generative AI too coming down the pipeline here. Uh, we're seeing a new trend where where IT really has an opportunity to lead the charge. And unlike they, what they did with cloud before, you know, with generative AI, they they should be taking a leadership role in this. Uh, but some of the work that they've put in already uh, to prepare uh, for cloud and for using automation on premises is actually now creating an opportunity for them just to drag and drop um, some of this generative AI capabilities into their existing models uh, very quickly. So effectively, if you did the work uh, to standardize and strategize your cloud and your automation across your business, you're set up to onboard new tech and, and new uh, new uh, advancements very quickly, uh, sometimes only with an API call. Wow, it's it's crazy. I don't know how you keep on top of this stuff, Nick. This is fascinating. And I'm so glad you were here on the podcast to talk about it because I know I've been trying to do my own independent research and this is an easy button. Listen to the podcast, learn some new things. <laughs> yeah, um, like our title, great equalizer for the data center. What kind of value does the data center have to offer for Gen AI? Kind of the switcheroo on that one. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think they're both really uh, uh, great partners in this this whole equation, right? Where, you know, generative AI is making some of these things easier to get to in your own data center. But conversely, uh, you know, uh, the, the thing is, there's a lot of different challenges or things that people have to think about when, when it comes to uh, generative AI. Things like intellectual property leakage, uh, intellectual property infringement uh, mm -hmm. are two big ones. Privacy and security and, and your 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 governance and your compliance needs are also uh, um, things. Uh, but then we get into things that are more uh, oriented around how am I going to get the most value out of my data? And, you know, uh, some of these uh, public models, uh, you know, it, you have limitations put upon you. They have their own guardrails. They have their own data sets that you may not be familiar with. A lot of people have even said these are black boxes. It's really hard to understand what's going on inside them. And so there's an interesting approach here where if you build your own or if you take somebody else's pre-built model, bring it down, train it with your own data, you can refine it much better. And so, uh, you know, there's more of an opportunity to create differentiation on premises where you control all of the variables um, potentially uh, than some of these public models. 
And, you know, of course, the, it, it brings with it some of the advantages of security and, and, and privacy and, and um, intellectual property as well. Wow, that's awesome. Is there uh, anything else you want to dive into while I have you? Yeah, I just say that this is an exciting space. You know, there's a lot of hyperbole about it. This is one of those topics that everyone loves talking about, but we're, we're still early on in this journey, right? So, you know, uh, a lot of different folks are thinking through this, a lot of smart people, a lot of great ideas out there. Um, realize that, you know, AI in, in general, and then of course, generative AI are, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're early in the game here and we're starting to see a lot of innovation, but I kind of think of this a lot like the cell phone uh, uh, or the smartphone uh, innovation and, and how that changed everything. Uh, I always like to say there's an entire generation of people that do not know what it's like to be lost because they've always had a GPS on their phone. Uh, I believe that with where we're at with generative AI, there's going to be an entire generation that uh, may not ever say, I don't know. They, they, they have the ability to ask a question and get an answer and formulate their own response to it. So it's a really exciting time where we're lowering the bars of uh, what it takes to understand various different uh, subject matters and become an expert on it uh, so dramatically. And I think at no place is this going to be more pronounced than in IT. You know, those those skill sets are hard to acquire. And uh, there's not enough people who know how to do all these things. And so this is a really exciting time with generative AI potentially helping lower the burden for these folks. Absolutely. And I can certainly relate to uh, not having Google Maps on my phone. I remember when I learned to drive, I used MapQuest and I hand wrote my notes every uh, every time I tried to leave the house. So I know is this, it's, be, is this going to be one of those memes? We know how old you are, but if you're part of the generation, like I myself am in the same boat, right? They'll be like, oh, you're an old timer because you know what it's like to have to make your own maps. <laughs> well, uh, how about I remember before Google when I used Ask Jeeves, you know? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Absolutely. Too funny. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, that's not one of those things I joke around that generative AI is Web 4. Because Web3 was all about you, you, you go to a community and the values in that community, and that's where you get the thing. Web2 is you go to the platform, you know, it's Facebook or whatever. You know, Web1 was really searching and just going out there. And now the crazy thing with generative AI is you never have to hit a site. You ask a question and the answer comes to you. So it's, it's a very different proposition. Absolutely. It saves you time. I mean, think of how much more time we will all have in the very near future. I mean, I think it's... It's really awesome. And I can't wait to see how it all turns out. Great. Well, good talking with you as always. Absolutely. Thanks for being on the podcast again, Nick. Uh, and to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of The Power of Technology. If you're interested in cybersecurity, data protection, and more, we have a brother podcast called Power to Protect. That is the word power, the number two, and then protect. Thank you so much for joining us. If you liked what you heard, feel free to subscribe. Thanks again, Nick. <laughs>